1: and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex and I wish that we were coming to you right now with some more positive vibes, right? Some more positive things to talk about of the Patriots moving on to the next round. Obviously, that did not happen in any shape or capacity. I think I've gone through a lot of the stages of grief with this one, Alex. Uh, during the game, I'm texting with you, and I'm ready to fire everybody besides Bill. I'm ready to blow the whole thing up. Uh, then I got you know, into the whole roster, building weeds, and, and if the direction of the team, which is what I wrote about this morning on 98.5... Uh, If I was if we're heading in a good direction, not in terms of the talent on the team necessarily, but just in terms of the stylistic decisions that Bill Belichick is making in the way that he's building the roster. All these things being said, it's been a couple of days. We've had some time to to calm down here a little bit and and move on uh, from this loss. Where are you at at this point, Alex, with this team?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I texted you after the game. I was, I was pretty upset. I thought that was going to be the game that broke me. And I still don't know how I'm going to live in a world where Josh Allen shredded a Bill Belichick defense in the playoffs. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. I think, you know, it's starting to come around a little bit. And I was somebody who was stressing. I know nobody wants to hear this, but, you know, year long preseason and and building blocks and year one of four and all that stuff I've been saying. Basically nonstop since August, it's kind of starting to come back to that. So, yeah. you know, it's a real jarring end, and always is. I, like a- I I think there so there's a positive and a there's one fact here that I think is a positive or a negative depending on how you look at it, and it's something I keep coming back to. Footballs a what have you done for me lately? Sport and when Bill Belichick and the Patriots staff do their end of year evaluations, they heavily weight. The end of the season. I've heard people say that the final game of the year can be as much as 50% of a player's final grade for the season. So you look at what that final game was, that... and you you apply that philosophy and you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it either, I, I mean, I think there are some people who look at that and say, that's who that team really was, right? That's who the Patriots really were. It's not close. And I, I don't I don't believe that. I think they had a really bad night at the worst possible time and the bills had a really good night at the best possible time. I don't think like, I think the bills are ahead of the Patriots. They should be right. They drafted their quarterback four years ago. There's not a 30 point difference between the two rosters. I truly believe that. But again, one side of that, you know, 50% of the evaluation is this is who the Patriots really are. The other side of that evaluation is they were super aggressive last year in the off season. Yeah. And I think that worked. I really overall, you know, whether some players were hits and misses, we'll talk about that plenty. But I think it's hard. You, you, it, it's pretty, I, I think everybody would be in agreement in saying overall, the Patriots' 2021 offseason was a success. And I look at how pissed they must be and should be after that game. And I can't help but hope maybe we get a similar mentality again this offseason. And I, it's different circumstances. They don't have, you know whatever it was the third most cap space in the league they're projected to be about middle of the pack i think slightly below that and that's fine you know i still think they have ways to maneuver there's things they can do where they can be aggressive and i'll go back to it here all right so that was year 1 and they checked a lot of boxes for year 1 now it's time to get into those year 2 boxes and i think that game kind of reinforced the fact that hey last off season was good this year was a good foundation but that's all it is it's a foundation you know, you're building a house. You don't just lay the cement and then be done with it. You have right. to lay the cement. It's very important. You need the cement. But you don't just lay the cement and then walk away. You got to put up the rest of the house. So I I think this, that game kind of, for better or worse, that game reinforced the fact that this team is in progress, but they are still a work in progress.
1: Yeah, so two things I want to piggyback off of there. Number one, okay. we opened the show on Thursday when we did the preview show. I was trying to remember my brain is all over the place. Still, on Thursday, when we opened the the preview show, we said, which Patriots team are we going to get? Are we going to get the Patriots team from the seven game winning streak? Are we going to get the Patriots team that we've seen over the last month? And we said then and there that it could get ugly. If the Patriots team that played in Miami and the Patriots team that played in week 16 against the bills and week 15 against Indianapolis. If that was the team that came to orchard park on Saturday night, we were expecting them to lose maybe not by 30 points, but To have it look at least 50%, though, the way that it did, right? Maybe I I thought they were going to lose by a couple of touchdowns.
0: I don't even think it was those teams because the the first game against Buffalo or the second game against Buffalo, the, the Colts game, Miami, they started coming back. Yeah. This was something, this was, that was, it's it's not the two different versions of the 2021 Patriots. That was the 2020 Patriots. That yeah. was a team that was just totally helpless, turtle on their back in the sun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that that's, you know, something that's a little bit alarming, certainly because you have to think about, the inner workings and the leadership. And I'm not talking about Bill Belichick necessarily, but I am talking about the coordinator level, certainly. Right. And you look at uh, the offensive defensive and special teams coordinators. And I put coordinators in air quotes for the defense. Cause who the heck knows who's actually running the ship there. It's kind of a combination of Mayo Steve and obviously Matt Patricia with Bill Belichick as the overseer. And I, you look at all these types of things and I do think that you have to point to talent and you have to point to the fact that they were completely ran off the field and couldn't keep up with Buffalo as a big reason why more so than maybe the schematic X's and O's of the game plan and what exactly they went out there and did on the tape. Uh, They played a lot more zone coverage uh, than they did again in week 16. It wasn't as much man, but it really didn't matter, right? Like, it really didn't matter what the game plan was. They were just completely overmatched in this game by Buffalo. And I thought the interesting thing that Jacoby Myers said, he said a couple of interesting things, and this is where I want to go with it next. Uh, the first thing that I thought was really interesting that he said was everybody else or that were in the playoff hot, that were contending in the AFC started to elevate their game as the season progressed. And Myers said that he ne- he didn't feel like the compete level or the buy-in diminished, but it never increased. It never got to that playoff level. It was always sort of the same baseline compete level which was a solid buy-in but not good enough to elevate their game to that next sort of tier of teams. The other thing that I I think is sort of what you said about the foundational year is When they lose like that, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that this was year one of Mac Jones's NFL career. This was year one in the system for Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry and uh, uh, Johnny Smith for big pieces of that offseason rebuild. And you got to learn from it. You got to grow from it. There are certainly other roster flaws and holes that they're going to have to fill to help out those guys and elevate the team in 2022. But setting this as a foundation, a 10-win season where you make the playoffs, isn't an awful place to be if you can use it as a springboard. And the team that Myers pointed out was the Buffalo Bills, right? A lot of those guys in that core in Buffalo have been around forever you know, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, obviously the quarterback, you know, those guys have grown together as leaders, as teammates, as players in that, in that system and in that culture in Buffalo. And I think the Patriots, I came away a little bit more hopeful today from talking to some of the players that maybe they can use this in that same vein. And maybe they can use this adversity as a jumping off point and cling to some of the good things that they did. And the next year they come back, everybody's in year two in the system, and it gets better, even better than it was the year before. They still got other holes to fill and other issues to work out, and we're going to get to that. Uh, but that that's where I'm at now is hoping that they can use this as that foundational year. And looking at some of these other rebuilds across the league, Rome was not built in a day. Right, these teams right. don't just flip a switch and go from being out in the playoffs to Super Bowls uh, just like that, unless you you know sign Tom Brady in the off season. But that's that's another point altogether. You don't really do that in the NFL. So a team like Buffalo is a great example of a team that stayed the course, that worked together for multiple seasons, and were able to eventually turn it around.
0: Yeah, no, I I I agree with all that, and I think Adrian Phillips, you know, it was encouraging to hear him say straight up that making it to the wild card game, that's not the accomplishment. That's not right. the, the end goal. It's so I, you know, I think it, it's important that they keep that mentality. I don't know. Like I was talking to Ted Johnson about this when I was on with him on the sports hub on Sunday about, you know, what kind of the mood is like after that game. Yeah. And I like, I asked him how much, you know, they go back and they evaluate a game like that because, you're never going to face that Bills team again. There's no need to necessarily self scout that game in the sense that that Patriots team's never going to take the field again, right? right? There's going to be so much, so many personnel changes. But you know, if I'm Bill, or if I'm a leader in that locker room, maybe not in the off season, but day one of OTAs, everybody's sitting down. The first thing I'm doing is putting that game up, the highlights of that game up on the big screen to watch. Yeah, I'm bringing that back over. Like I'm I'm making guys watch that before every game next year. Like that's the thing that has the potential to like, it's just so jarring the way the game went down. I think that game has the potential to be a defining game for this core. The question is in what direction is a defining game in that they got to that point, they got to the playoffs in year one, it seems so encouraging and then they just got beat down and they never recovered. Or is that the game that, Woke them up and let them know, hey, yeah, we we won seven games in a row. We thought we were it, and then we got our faces stomped in. Like that's how we learned. I think that um, you know, it, so a, a couple things I remember. Obviously, the greatest Bill Belichick pregame speech of all time before Super Bowl thirty-nine when he the just read the parade route for the Eagles. Right. Another one. And this is simpler, but the winners wanted T-shirts. Yeah, and I forget what year that was. But they were, that was the, the slogan at the beginning of the year, Winners Wanted. And it was like a, a, a training camp slogan, and that goes away once the season starts, like, late in the year. They brought back the Winners Wanted thing. So, you know, I think it's just something like that. I think it's something that you have to you have to internalize that game. I think if you're the Patriots, you have to internalize that game, and they can use it. There yeah. was one other example, but I, I'm going to remember it in a minute. But Yeah, that's the way remember. that I'm oh,
1: looking at this now. Right? I
0: think – yeah, so uh, I I can't remember the year. I want to say it was 2015. Um the Royals were in the World Series and I don't remember who they were playing. But they were and they were a young team and I know this is a different sport or whatever. But I this is this is a sports philosophy I truly believe in. The Royals were in the World Series, whatever year it was, they lost. And after they lost, the majority of the players on the roster stayed on the field and watched the entire celebration. Yeah the next year the royals came back and won the world series like that sounds like a stupid anecdote i i truly believe there's something to that that those guys stayed on the field and watched what happened and internalized it and it propelled them i think this game needs to be something like that and it can be of something course. like that if they if they have the right
1: leadership if they, they use it right team. and they have the right leadership exactly I, that's what i'm maybe a little bit more concerned about than what i normally would be in terms of this team right is normally I look at the leadership and I see Devin McCourty still there and I see Matthew Slater is still there and even though he's lost a step Dante Hightower just in terms of his leadership and intangible qualities Bill Belichick's obviously still the head coach and I say oh they got great leadership they got great foundation but at the same point in time that same leadership is what led this spiral out of control And that same leadership is what let them put out that product on Saturday night. So as much as we can sit here and say, we're not saying that Saturday night was a good game. We're not saying that this was good for the Patriots. Uh, We're just saying that at this point on Monday at 515 after the game, there's nothing you can do about it. They, They lost by 30 points and the season's over. So you can't go back and fix anything. So the only thing that you can do at this point in time is learn from it and build from it and hopefully use this season. And I wouldn't lose sight of the fact if I was a Patriot fan that this was year one in the system for so many of those guys on offense, a really complex offensive system year one for so many of those dudes. And I, I do think that this is just the tip of the iceberg for Mac Jones. I, I really do truly believe in Mac Jones and think that he is going to continue to get better right. and take uh, steps forward. And, and we're going to talk all about this off season how the Patriots can help him do that. Right. And that's yeah, where right. I want to go with this next.
0: So that, that's what I would just say. Like we're sitting here giving the raw, rah. And by the way, with the Royals, it was 14. They lost the giants 15. They beat the Mets. Um, yeah. We're sitting here giving this raw, rah. And like you just said, like Mac Jones is going to get better and it's true, but it's not, you snap your fingers and wait. Like it's not, right. you know, it's not mad where your players just from year to one, two, their overall goes up. Right. It's an active process in terms of adding players, adjusting the system, all of that. So, um I think that's important to remember. But again, I just think that game, again, it was so jarring. It has to have an impact. It's just, it's on the Patriots to determine what kind of impact it has.
1: Right, exactly. And and the part that worries me a little bit about it, not to be all doom and gloom, but I think it was after the Colts game that Matthew Slater said we have some decisions to make in this locker room about whether we let this get out of control or we dig in and we fight. Well, they let it get out of control so this is something in the off season that you do if you're mac jones you want this to sting you want this to sit with you and you want to learn from right. it and you want to remember the way that you felt at the end of that game the other leadership thing that i i just wanted to hit on real quickly here before we start to kind of turn the page here um mac after the game said something really interesting to me uh he mentioned that he feels like one of the areas that he wants to improve on from year one to year two is leadership because he didn't want to step on anybody's toes in year one as a rookie, but in year two, he's hoping to improve on that and he's hoping to help, carry the team to where it wants to go a little bit more and lead the team a little bit more uh, where it wants it to go. And I know that people have different opinions on Mac Jones in this game against Buffalo and different opinions about Micah Hyde's interception and who was at fault and all that kind of stuff, all that sort of stuff aside. Mac Jones came to compete in this game. I fully believe that like he came and he came ready to go and compete against Buffalo. And I don't know if the rest of the team followed him. So the one thing that I'm looking for out of Mac, outside of all the uh, tangible things that we can talk about in terms of how how we can improve and all that sort of stuff, the one thing that I really want to see is him blossom as a leader. He's the quarterback of this team, and I I, I was sitting next to Chris Mason in the press box, uh, Mass Live, on Saturday night, and I turned to him and I said, you know, at 14 to nothing, if this was Brady, and I I know I hate to keep comparing him to Tom, but I'm just, that's the gold standard, right? And if this is Brady, then at 14 to nothing, Brady's going up and down the sideline and screaming bloody murder at the offense, right? Like, wake up, let's go. This is the playoffs. Like, you know, don't go down like this. You know, let's step it up. Let's make this happen. You know, wake the heck up. And I'm not saying that Mac needs to go ahead and and lose his cool on the sideline to, to prove to me that he's some sort of a leader, but I do think that the Patriots could use a little pissed off Mac Jones. They could use a little angry Mac Jones every once in a while and holding people to that sort of standard. And I hope I think next year is the year where we start to see that a little bit more. Mac's a rookie he's not going to do that now, but next year I hope we get to see a little bit more of that, kind of edge from Mac Jones, right. And to be able to help the the rest of the team and pull the team. Uh, Yeah. Mac needs to go psycho Tom. That that's exactly right. Robert, right. You know, we need to see that a little bit more, I think from, from Mac Jones next year.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's whatever his leadership style is. You don't want to force him to be Brady, right. He's going to lead how he's going to lead. I know he's gotten some heat for being a little ah shucksy in the past and you know i i don't totally buy into that i think maybe that's a little bit of who he is but he's got to find a way to harness it the good news is it it doesn't sound like just based on things he's said he said based on things other players have said this year it doesn't sound like he's afraid to call players out veteran players out yeah. when they make mistakes in terms of like the actual x's and o's of it right and now that just kind of translates into the non x's and o's element of it and I get maybe him hesitating doing that as a rookie. He shouldn't have a problem doing that now. I think that's the difference. It's we know we we know he can hold other players accountable. We've heard from guys like Kendrick Bourne from Hunter Henry that he does that at practice. They run yeah. a wrong route or the timing's wrong or something. Now it's just doing that with everything else. That's kind of the next step, I think, for him as a leader. Right? What what's the big Brady one where he's like walking up the, down the sideline? Like, we gotta be faster, harder, faster, yeah. stronger, faster, tougher, whatever it is like that's, that. With like
1: I, I'm pretty sure that was twenty eight to three.
0: Yeah, you're right. That yeah. I just couldn't remember
1: the exact words. Yeah.
0: That's that's kind of the next level I think in leadership for him.
1: Yeah. I agree as well. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. Betonline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Betonline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Looking ahead here a little bit and starting to talk about off-season stuff and where this team is headed. I wrote this morning on CLNSMedia.com about bully ball and the direction that this team is going on both sides of the football, where they are in a lot of ways behind the rest of the league in terms of their stylistic perspectives of where they want to build their team and how they want to build their team and when i say behind the rest of the league i guess behind is the wrong word they are zigging when everybody else is zagging right all these other teams are are fit into two buckets pretty much they're spread offenses like kansas city and buffalo or their wide zone teams in the shanahan coaching tree san francisco los angeles uh, those type green bay those types of teams The Patriots are this throwback team. They are a run-first, heavy personnel grouping type of team on offense. And defensively, they're still going out there with 260-pound linebackers and some of these bigger two-gapping run-stuffing DTs. And they don't have a lot of guys that make tons of splash plays behind the line of scrimmage on defense on that defensive line. It's really Christian Barmore and the rest of those guys are – meant to occupy gaps and maintain space and hold their ground and all that kind of stuff. It's built differently than a lot of the ways that other teams are going. And I think there are paths, as I broke down in the article, I think there's paths both ways. Like I think that they can get to where they want to go with the foundation of the bully ball system that they've laid down. If we fill some holes here, I also think that there's a really good argument to be made that in today's NFL, Maybe that's not the best way to go. And the comparison that I made was my great uncle, Uncle Jerry. Hello, shout out. Uh, He's 95 years old. He uses a flip phone, right? He doesn't use an iPhone. He doesn't got a fancy smart. So I call him. He's on his flip phone. I'm on his iPhone 13, right? On my iPhone 13. That's sort of how I felt like watching this game on Sunday or Saturday when Josh Allen's coming out, they're spreading the field, they're running RPOs, they're running all this modern NFL offensive type of stuff and the Patriots are going 71 is eligible and they're running six offensive line packages down 14 and 20 to nothing. They're putting Mike Onweni on the field and running 60 line packages. I think either way can work. I'm happy to break down either way uh, with you and we can go about that now. But the question is from a stylistic perspective, is this is this a good way to go? Like is this a winnable formula? And today's NFL, because I think the problem that you see with the way that they've been built is they can't get behind. And maybe some of that is a rookie quarterback. Right. And, And hopefully in future years, they can pass their way back into a game. But we have now seen it time and time and time again this season that when this team gets behind by multiple scores, you might as well call game at that point. And this game was no different than any of those others. It was just exacerbated on another whole nother level where they let go of the rope and stop fighting. Whereas with other games, they've tried to come back. But I I have concerns about the bully ball approach in general. I I understand the philosophy. All these other teams are getting lighter. They're getting faster. They're putting multiple wide receivers on the field. They're putting 225 linebackers on the field. So we're going to punch everybody in the mouth. I understand the philosophy. I, I'm not sure I'm as on board with it anymore. I, I never really was fully on board, as you know, Alex. Right. Yeah. I. I mean, I think there's ways to do it. By the way, your your compare
0: you're I, I think it's funny because your your little analogy there actually doesn't work because at the end of the day, you're still you two are still talking on the phone.
1: Well, we're, we're still right? playing football. At the end of the day, both so teams I think are we're, playing, we're, playing you're, football.
0: But he's he's hearing you fine. You're hearing him fine. You're it's like for- it's
1: like. You know, you're looking, if you're trying if we're to get traveling online. by horse and carriage still, when other people are driving cars, right. it's like, like we're like you're still tra- getting to point A to point B, but are who's getting there faster? Who's getting there more efficiently, right? right. I mean, so here's
0: the thing. I think there is a, – a, offensively, there's definitely a way to make the bully ball work. I think there yeah. is. They need to be more creative about it. They need more so, – so here's the thing, Right. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Right, that kind of thing. They can sting like a bee right now. It's the float. They need the float like a butterfly part. They need that, you know, the the thunder and lightning kind of offenses. Right. They have the thunder now. They need the lightning. You see the way that some of these teams just just grind down on defenses, and then they can grind them down to the point where they can create an explosive play out of it. The Patriots can grind a defense down. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They need right. that finisher, right? Yeah. That whether it's a guy like a Debo Samuel or a guy like a Devontae Adams or somebody like that. Um, they need that, or a Chris Godwin, they need that guy who can kind of capitalize, right? You you, you pound the ball, you lull him to sleep, you lull, you lull him to sleep, you lull them to sleep, and then boom, you hit him. It's that second part, right? It's that second part that they're missing. And to, by the way, to put all this together in one off season is unrealistic. That's why you talk about the rebuild. And I know we're going to hear it a ton. I'm already hearing it on Twitter. I said last year, that I wasn't that worried about the Patriots going out and pushing to acquire a true wide receiver one, whether it was trading for Odell or whatever. I stand by that. They had so much they needed to do last year. Working that piece into the equation was tough. New year, new needs, new agenda. Year two, all right, now it's time to add that piece back in. So I think, you know, true bully ball, what they did in Buffalo in week 13, that's probably not going to work. But I think, again, I'll go back, the, the float like a butterfly sting like a bee approach, I think that's pretty close to what they want to do in terms of the bully ball thing. And I think it'll work in the modern NFL, a team like the Titans has been able to succeed that way. Right. Um, I would say you know, a a team like the, uh, even the Buffalo bills to an extent, if you count Josh Allen as the bully runner to an extent has succeeded in
1: that way. So, the it two other be. teams that have succeeded in that way are the Titans and the Bucks are still a pretty much a, a throwback yeah. down offense. It, the Bucks have Tom Brady. The Bucks also, so that's have different, Batmans right? That's why I'm not Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski, the model. If you want to, if you want to look at a model, the model is the Titans in a lot of yeah. ways, but I think the problem is with the Titans. Well, how about
0: the, I'd say the Niners too. I know the blocking scheme is different, but it's the same idea where yeah, they, they yeah. run the ball a ton. But they can still come from behind when they need to.
1: So I want to talk about the Niners in a second and, and some of the concerns, that, some of the issues no. with using them as an example. The the thing about the Titans is, first and foremost, they have AJ Brown, which changes the whole equation. That's the sort of the guy that the Patriots are going to have to. Well, look that's for, what that's you know, what I'm saying. Right. That's that so when I look key. at when I look at the Micah Hyde interception, the two concerns that I have with that sort of play is all season long the Patriots explode unless they're flooding zone, which they can do right. Hunter Henry flood zone on the 30 yarder and they can get some chunk plays that way, but to truly push the football down the field, they're, they're attacking down the field on vertical isolation routes, right? It's, it's outside fades, double moves, things like that. And to truly do that with a quarterback that doesn't have an arm cannon that can just sling it in there and beat the post safety there on a play like that. To truly do that, you got to have downfield ball winners. And I think when I say contested catches and things like that, people think I'm talking about Nikhil Harry. I'm not talking about guys like Nikhil Harry. I'm talking about guys that because of the run action, because of the way the Patriots play with bully ball, that when defenses step up, when defenses play single high safety against you, you have a guy on the outside that can truly blow by somebody and can truly go by somebody in a hurry and then adjust and track the football and attack the football in the air. The biggest problem that I had with that Hyde interception is how passive Nelson Aguilar is at the catch point, right? He just didn't go up for the ball at all. The Patriots need somebody, if they're going to be this way and they're going to try to explode up the field, then they need somebody in the vein of A.J. Brown. When you watch him on tape with Tennessee – it's not all Yak plays. He's great in that phase, right? Which is what the Patriots need also. Crossers and a guy that can really get the ball in his hands and go. But A.J. Brown also wins down the field, right? He's also somebody right. that can win, and he would go up and get that ball. If if you put A.J. Brown and Nelson Aguilar's shoes on that play against Micah Hyde, he's going up there, and he's elevating to the 10th floor, and he's trying to get that ball. So I think that you can be bully ball, like you said, If you have that number one guy that can make defenses pay for crowding the line of scrimmage and get up the field and explode and create those types of plays, you have that number one guy. You can do that. But I think ultimately at some point in time, and I hope that it's as as soon as next season when Josh McDaniels has a full off season to really sink his teeth into this, the Patriots need to modernize their, their scheme and go a little bit more spread. I, I really feel like the biggest thing holding a lot of this back with the Patriots is that the downfield shot plays that they're asking Mac Jones to make are these throws over the top to guys like now. I just don't know if that type of throw is ever going to be a high efficiency play for a quarterback like Mac Jones. Whereas at Alabama, when you watch his tape, when he's throwing down the field to guys like Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, a lot of it is crossing routes, you know, deep over routes, deep crossers. Uh, it, not a lot of it is just go run a nine ball and I'm going to throw it to you. Right. They, they didn't yeah. do a ton of that. And I think that that's the difference in, in this, in the way that they play. I think that they got to spread the field. I think they got to get lighter. They obviously have to get faster and more explosive. I would, I'm begging and imploring them to implement more RPOs into the system next year and run some more of those from the shotgun. And I look at the offenses from like 2007 to 2011, right? That sweet spot of the Patriots where it did evolve once Moss moved out and Gronk moved in as that number one guy. And that to me is the blueprint the Patriots are still chasing. And that was, those were spread offenses. Those were not full back in the backfield, under center, power, run game, PA you know deep shots that was not those types of offenses they were spread offenses and that's exactly where i would go if i was josh mcdaniels with this offense and i think that that would really help create some more wider throwing lanes for mac jones so he's not throwing into tight coverage and i think that would really help with in terms of getting the ball out quickly using his accuracy as a, as something to prop up his decision-making his processing, you know, those are the types of things that I think uh, they need to harp on and not necessarily force him to create explosives with downfield tight window type of throws. Like we saw on the pick by hide. Yeah. So again, to get, because you just went a whole
0: other direction there to go back to the bully ball thing. Right. Yeah. I think there's a way they can do it is just incorporating some of those other things into it. Right. It's, because this is one thing Bill Belichick has always been very good at, he can take two concepts and marry them, right? Yeah. And basically, like they, yeah, I, I think they can be right? both a bully ball team and a spread team, right? Hey, so that's that. Basically, that's the thing. It's something the Bills did a ton in week, or the Patriots and Bills. So I guess it's both in week 16 and in, in that last game, the Patriots would have one receiver out wide, they'd have two tight end, two fullback with the running back in the backfield, right? And the Bills basically put 10 in the box and said, throw it to the one guy out there, whether it was Myers, Adler, Harry, whoever, right? So, well, so here's the thing. If that guy can actually beat that corner one-on-one and you can hit the play action and get it to that guy down the field,
1: it doesn't – the Bills can't put 10 in the box anymore. The reason the issue with that – the issue that I have with that – is those throws inherently are tighter window throws? You're talking what? about contested catches down the field, and you're talking about tighter window throws. Why can't that be a deep post instead of a go ball? It can be, but if you're, you're talking throw,
0: about the middle of the field,
1: you're talking about throwing a deep post into a post safety structure against man coverage, most likely. Like those are those throws inherently are going to no, be this tighter is, window. You're, no, it you're. Might, you're this and is when you get a guy that can just run by everybody and create like ten yards of separation on every single one of them, you're going to be throwing the ball in between two coverage defenders. I, I mean, that's what you're going to be doing. No, what I'm saying is this is to stop teams at the very least from bringing eight or nine defenders. Yeah, no, like, I understand is what, what the Bills saying. are doing. Right. So I just so don't know the, the if no that safety the best way to double use coverage. What? I just don't know if that's going to. I don't know if that's the best way to use Mac Jones. Alabama. He if, did that at Alabama. A little bit, but at Alabama, they were they were so much more spread. They you're you're so overthinking spread. my point. You're overthinking my point.
0: When teams crowd the box, because that's yeah. what happened at the end of the year, and I I use that Bills one as an extreme example. Maybe that's what you're getting caught up in. But yeah, teams basically said, "We'll cover you one on one across the board. Everybody else is going to be dedicated to the run. If you I you can be run heavy." but you can't be run heavy if defenses are allowed to have that mentality. That is my point. No, I, think I get what your point is. Right. So that's what I'm saying. saying so that would you disagree with that? I right. don't disagree with that.
1: But so that's all. Part, that's
0: all I'm saying. You can't be so run heavy if there's no threat to the defense to play you five on five in coverage. That's the problem. They need guys who force the defense to dedicate more than the five necessary players to coverage. As long as they can do that. They can keep the bully ball elements in their offense. They just need a counter to it. So they're not one dimensional. That's, that's my point. It, it, whether it's deep crossers or throwing into, to, to single high or whatever, like that's kind of taking, I, I know it's not as simple as not including that stuff, but I'm just talking from a big picture point of view. They need that second. They they need a reason that teams can't just stack the box blitz their linebackers and coverage five on five. They need a reason why defenses think twice about that. And they don't necessarily have that right now. It flashed at times. Like we thought John U. Smith was going to be a big part of that, right. right. For how much of a mismatch he was, he didn't prove to be that guy. We thought Nelson Aguilar might be that with his speed. Teams kind of stopped respecting his speed late in the year because the Patriots weren't throwing to him. If you go back and compare the numbers to mere bird, actually had better numbers last year than Aguilar did this year because he was just a clear out guy. There was no threat. It was all smoke and mirrors. They need a legitimate threat or threats where defenses don't feel comfortable covering everybody one-on-one. That's my point. I totally hear you.
1: I totally hear you. I totally agree with you. If they're going to stay with this path, I totally agree with you. My concern with all of this, right, is that those types of throws are inherently Vertical deep shots off of play action with a quarterback that doesn't have an elite arm, and I'm not sure if you want to have a seven-step drop, a nine-step drop off of play action, and then have Mac Jones throw in vertical shots all day long. Like, why, why does that? Ha- why does it have to be deep passes? Because i can that only be deep it? passes? Because that's how you. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to pull everybody up with the run action and get everybody to crowd the line of scrimmage and then blow guys past it and throw the ball down the field. Like that's, that's inherently what you're trying to do in that type of system. My point is, is that I would much rather them spread the field, go lighter, faster everywhere, and just get the football out of his hand, right? And and allow him to distribute the ball and allow him to just essentially be a point guard in the NFL, where all he is doing is getting the football out, getting the ball out quickly, reading coverage structure quickly, accurate Timing rhythm based passer. That's the type of thrower that Mac Jones is. Well, and they can win like that, I think. And if you kind of go down the field more with crossing routes, uh, deep overs, things like that, like what he was throwing to Waddle and Smith all the time, then you have those types of plays inherently would hopefully create wider passing windows down the field for him where guys are running away from coverage instead of throwing a go ball on the sideline he's now throwing a deep over to a guy that runs a 4-2, 4-3. and hopefully the guy's got a couple steps on the db right and instead of right. having to throw it into the window that nelson Aguilar had on micah hyde there it's an easier throw for the quarterback it's an inherently easier throw for the quarterback right. and that's the way i would rather see them go I guess I'm thinking more. I I don't think it all has. I think, again, you can marry the two styles. Yeah. Because the
0: the other concern, if you become so reliant to throwing over the middle, is teams will pack the middle anyway. They might not blitz as aggressively, but they'll pack the middle anyway and take away those passing lanes. I think they need some, like, who did they really They need a guy, like, and this isn't their only need, but I'm looking at, like, like, I'd like to see the Malcolm Mitchell role come back, where it's. Five to 12 yards outside the numbers, right? Comebacks, out yeah. routes, that kind of thing. Like that, that more so, they didn't. How much of their offense, passing, running, whatever, however you want to qualify it, forget depth for a second. How much of their offense existed outside the numbers or even really outside the tackle box this year? Not a ton. That's more my, like, I understand and they don't have the speed
1: talking, to get out there. That's so, so,
0: that's so, that's what I'm saying. It's If you can marry a power running game, and this is this is where I make the comparison to the Niners. I know like schematically it's not the same, but I think something the Niners do really well is their passing game outside the tackle box, outside the numbers is really good. It's not all deep passes. It might be guys coming all the way across the formation. They're fast enough to do that. It might be as simple as comebacks. It's, you know, using motion creatively, things like that. The passing game is a threat outside the numbers. And then they can run the ball in between the tackles, and the defense has to thin out, and they can do it without having these massive spread formations like that. Because the Patriots, they want to use two tight ends, they want to use a fullback, so you need something outside the formation itself to keep teams honest outside the tackle box and outside the numbers. And I like maybe this doesn't make any sense. I don't know, but that's kind of what I picture as the next step.
1: We're not that far behind. I just, I I, to me, I don't know when I look at you know breaking down a throwback style right of, of that yeah. offense a bully ball offense i think of downhill rushing i think of vertical passing games and i think of hitting either fade or, or outside routes up the field or in breaking vertical routes off of play action right uh, deep cross or uh, crossers posts things like that in the middle of the field and i just don't know if mac jones is ever is has the the arm strength or the drive or that ability to throw the football off a seven step drop off a play action fake. And then let's turn around and then let's throw it, you know, 15, 20 yards, drive it through the middle of the field. Right. I, I just don't know if that's the best usage of his talents. Whereas if you spread the field and allow him to just be, you know, the game plan that I I keep going back to, uh, and then we got to get this ad read in is that Tampa Bay game. Right. And I'm not talking right. about the volume, right. They obviously, they, they gave up on the run game in the second half because they couldn't run the ball against Vita Vea. So they stopped running the ball. But do you remember that game plan in general, just how quickly they got the ball out of his hands, how much they spread right. the field against the Bucks, and they were just do dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk all the way down the field, right? And then hopefully you get a guy in a mold of an explosive downfield playmaker that can either take the ball like a Debo Samuel and take a five-yard slant, 80 yards to the house or you have somebody that can get up the field and get down the field and create easy deep shots for mac jones off of spread looks i I just i would rather see them go that and and maybe i think we're both on the same page that this is a marriage between the two right right so that's i want want to see throwback spread right i want to see throwback spread where they kind of make this modernized throwback system whereas the six offensive linemen stuff with the 22 personnel with the fullback and the tight end and on like that needs to be a mac jones rookie season thing and nothing else like we can't so, see that again again i think there's still a
0: place for that but there's a place for it. it can't be the whole thing and when you allow teams to prepare just for that like and this is again this is asking a lot but this is a big picture thing the the later brady teams what they did is there was no there was no package there was like they would come out with two tight ends and Jacob johnson and smack in the mouth and then on the next play they'd go five wide they would motion to it in the middle of the play they would right. come out in i and then motion into shotgun five wide like i think that you need to use max intelligence to its advantage. You do that by keeping the offense off guard. I don't think it's a matter of having one identity. I think it's finding two things that are very different that you can do very well in forcing the defense to constantly adjust from one to the other. i like, I, I think that's more it. I think you need to have that power run element. I think you do, Yeah. but then it's marrying it to a passing game outside the numbers with a heavy, with, with, with a, and I, the other thing about this, and I know we agree on this they're using a lot of run after the catch routes, and I think that's correct. The problem is they they're not necessarily throwing them to
1: run after the catch receivers. Yeah. So that's 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 I think part of the change too. We are going to talk a yeah. lot about this offseason. Uh, the word explosive is going to be said. At- Dale Robinson the the word explosive is going to be said about a hundred million times on this podcast between now and training camp right I mean that's that's what they're looking for we talk about Jacoby Myers great Patriot steady player consistent player has a role on this team moving forward they need to replace that Z receiver role that high volume targets role with somebody that's more explosive and has more speed, and is better with the ball in their hands, and all that kind of stuff. But we got to get this ad read in. I'm already late on it. Uh, to our friends at LinkedIn, uh, you can see that uh, website URL right there at the bottom of the screen, linkedin.com slash beat. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk faster and for free create a free job in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified and use the simple tools of LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Do you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free all right defense alex we, we spent a lot of time on the offense i understand it's a rookie quarterback it's the more fun side of the ball to discuss but i think the patriots have some interesting crossroads stylistic decisions i talk about bully ball as an offensive thing I, they want to play bully ball on defense too let's face it like they want to be yeah. a sledgehammer on defense too so it actually is talks about both sides of the football and the number one thing that I think I hear Patriots fans say, as besides the fact that the Patriots need a number one wide receiver, despite besides the fact that they need a Debo Samuel type, right? The number one thing that I hear people say is that the Patriots need speed at linebacker. And the where where I'm at with this is it depends on how on how you want to build your team defensively. Bill Belichick notoriously has been a man coverage savant. Like that's his thing is man coverage. He's a man coverage pioneer. So if it's man coverage that the Patriots want to play, then what they can do is they can improve their secondary, get it back to where it was in 2018 or 2019. And they don't necessarily need to have the lighter, faster, speedier, uh, rangier linebackers, right? They don't need to have that those types of players because their linebackers will not be tasked with coverage responsibilities in zone, and they'll be allowed to get downhill and attack the line of scrimmage, which is what Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley and Kyle Van Noy and Matthew Judon should be doing, right? Those guys should not be dropping into coverage. So when I watch, for example, that play that Josh Allen scrambles for a huge gain and Matthew Judon gets kind of juked out of his shoes by by uh Allen in space and lost i don't blame matthew judon for that he's not supposed to be out there right i mean what's matthew judon doing dropping into coverage like you paid this guy right. to rush the passer so if well, that's, so yeah that one
0: go ahead go ahead no
1: you, I, let, let me finish and then take it yeah. over the 2018 and 19 team was so stacked at cornerback and in the secondary, that they could play man coverage with anybody. They went into the 2018 AFC title game and they played man coverage against the Kansas City freaking Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, right? Like they can man up anybody and they were successful with it. So here's the question if you want to play man coverage, then they have to get better in the secondary. If you want to go new age linebacker and start to stack up all these speedy guys, then you're going to probably be reverting to more of a zone defense, right? And you're going to become the Buffalo Bills. Essentially, that's what their system is. Milano, Edmonds, those guys are the speedy, rangy guys that everybody in New England wants. But if you're going to be a man coverage team, then you do want the downhill missiles at linebacker, especially if you're going to be a two gap team right? Because if you're going to be a two-gap team, then you're not going to have a whole lot of penetrators on the defensive line. So what was happening this year with the Patriots was that they couldn't survive in man coverage. So Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley and Kyle Van Noy and Matthew Judon and all these bigger linebackers, they weren't blitzing. They weren't attacking downhill in the run game. They weren't playing at the line of scrimmage. They were Forced to drop into coverage, whether it was straight zone or they were dropping into robber rolls or whatever the case may be. So that's where I'm at with that. If you want to go with the smaller, faster linebackers, you cannot two gap with a 225 pound linebacker, right? Like the guy is right. just, it's Adrian Phillips, right? The guy's just going to get run over. So if you want to go that direction, then you have to be a different type of stylistic defense. And the man coverage and all that stuff goes out the window. So I before we get to the style of
0: the defense, because you mentioned that Matthew Judon play. I I, I think they, they need a defensive coordinator and whether look, it should be Bill. Bill should just be calling the defense. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but he should. But we can get into who the best option would be. But whether it's Gerard Mayo, whether it's Steve yeah. Belichick, whoever it is, it needs to be a person. Because I think you're Fair you're enough. seeing a lot of confliction just in the way the defense is called. The yeah. players are only going to execute what's called. And the reason the Judon play killed me so much is because that's something they used to do. And if you'll remember, if you want to really laugh, if you want a good laugh, I'll say don't turn the show off, but go on Twitter on another device. Search Trey Flowers coverage. Search Trey Flowers coverage, and you will find hordes of tweets, some of them mine from 2017, where the Patriots used to take Trey Flowers on third and five in key situations, Trey Flowers, pure pass rusher, and either drop him into zone or the one time they had him man up on Le'Veon Bell in the fourth quarter of a late-season game. That was a Matt Patricia staple. You take your best defensive pat, you take your best edge pass rusher, and you drop him into a flat zone. And then Patricia left. He brought it with him into Detroit because Trey Flowers was still doing that in Detroit. He brought it with him to Detroit, and there was peace because we didn't have to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, late this year, it came back. That play was a glaring example, but there were other instances throughout the year, throughout the month, late in the year, where Trey – somebody already found my tweet in the chat. That's awesome. Where – Matthew Judon is just covering shallow flats for yes, no reason.
1: Because, because and so, the reason they were going to hold up in coverage is if they dropped seven or eight guys okay, in coverage. not Matt Judon. I, I get that. I do so disagree with you. But, so, so, but here's, so wait, so here's my point.
0: So to get back to the original point, because that was just a little side rant there, to get back to my point, yeah. they're cl- like that wasn't happening and then it was happening. And what that tells me is, whoever was designing the defenses and calling the defenses throughout the year, it wasn't, it wasn't consistent because clearly Matt Patricia wasn't. And then all of a sudden he was and something happened that caused that. And I think that's a problem. I think there's a lack of continuity, not necessarily in the defensive personnel, but in who's coming up with the game plans and who's calling the plays. And that's not, I mean, whatever your job is, if you're going in and being asked to do different things on a regular basis and you can't, get comfortable with any one thing you're going to be worse at your job that's the reality so I know some people might not want it to be Steve I know some people might not want it to be Patricia and who it should be is another discussion but there it needs to be clearly defined you can't have these three pseudo defensive coordinators all sharing their responsibilities anymore I think it's just the communication lines are breaking down it really feels like that there needs to be an established chain of command on the defensive side of the ball
1: Yeah, the way that I look at it is that Bill Belichick dictates everything that he does from a game plan and stylistic perspective with his defense based off off of how much he trusts his secondary, right? Because when the Patriots have great secondaries like 18 and 19, and everybody puts this on Flores. Like everybody says it was Flo that was calling it. And maybe it was. I don't know. But even in 19, when Steve early on took over the play calling after Flores left, the first half of 19, they were still doing all the zero blitz stuff. They were still coming after the quarterback, right? And they were still trying to affect the passer with pressure. And that was because they had Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson and Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones and Devin McCourty. And we can go keep on going down the list, right? And... This team, this Patriots team, did not have the horses or the personnel in the secondary for Bill Belichick to feel comfortable about coming after the quarterback. So then instead, what we got was all this zone disguise stuff where we got Matthew Judon dropping into coverage and the middle linebacker blitzing, and we're replacing zone coverage like that to try to get a pass rush, to try to get some to catch the offense by surprise and, and get, uh, get some penetration at the line of scrimmage. So ultimately what it comes back to is the Patriots are at a crossroads here in the offseason at the linebacker position, Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley are both unrestricted free agents. They're both UFAs this year. Again, if you are going to be a two gapping defensive front, you cannot have 230 pound linebackers. It doesn't work, right? Those guys have to be downhill sledgehammers for that system to work. So what you can do one of two things, you can revamp your entire front and your entire system and you can get more Christian Barmore's on the defensive line, more guys that can get up the field and make plays behind the line of scrimmage and get lighter, faster at the second level, or you can get and load up again, just like in 2018 and 2019 and get as many corners that can play man coverage as you can possibly get your hands on. And my guess is, is that bill will probably go 18, 19. Cause that's, that's the way that bill goes right i mean bill's a man coverage guy i find it very hard to believe that bill will all of a sudden be like you know it's a great defensive system sean mcdermott and buffalo right you know let's run more right. zone and let's get up the field on the defensive line and one gap and penetrate and all that kind of stuff i don't think that they would do that i think that they'll lean more towards man coverage but what that means is gotta pay jc jackson and not only do you have to pay pay jc you also probably have to go out and pair jc with a better second cornerback than Jalen Mills right like Jalen Mills has to become your third outside corner not your second guy if you're going to improve that secondary uh we were uh talking about this earlier and you brought up the 19 secondary and you said you know this guy is this guy that guy is that guy so Jalen Mills is like Jason McCourty right he's your third corner so they need to find if you third corner and safety he needs to be a rover right If you think that JC is a number one guy, then you need to go out there and you need to elevate that CB2 spot so that you have a better guy there. Uh, Jonathan Jones is going to make a full recovery from shoulder surgery and is expected to be back next season. So you have him back in the slot and then you have a much better man coverage unit. And then all of a sudden, if you do keep a guy like Bentley or you do draft another 260 pound linebacker and you still have Judani, still have uh, guys like Kyle Van Noy, those guys can start coming downhill again and those guys can start affecting the run game and affecting the quarterbacks and rushing the passer and not be dropping into coverage right so i i I think that that's the biggest thing that you have to look at for this team moving forward we're going to find out really quickly where the patriots are going on defense based off of what they do at linebacker and with those two guys but i i so i will say and i think they need to
0: upgrade the secondary it's something we've been yelling about since camp that they've never enough corners Yeah, I and I I think they do go back to that man coverage mold, but they still need. I still think they need at least one guy like a mismatch linebacker. They need a guy, even if it's just for when they play the bills. And, you know, if Watson goes to Miami, uh, you know, a guy like that or Rogers goes to Miami, just somebody who can run with an athletic quarterback. Maybe I'm nuts. I think Cameron McGrone's a big part of what they want to do. I think McGrone drafting McGrone signals that there's at least a recognition that they need that kind of player on their team. And I know that that's been Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar the last couple of years, and they've yeah. done well in that role, but you're really asking guys to play at a position. You need somebody who's been playing that spot since high school, who just has a bit better feel for the role. So maybe that is McGrone. Like maybe it can be, they right. do have a guy on the roster. I think Terrence Hall can be that guy too. And I wouldn't be shocked if Raquan McMillan can kind of be that guy. I just think they need that presence again. I don't, I don't think they need to fully embrace, like you said, that Buffalo style with these smaller, quicker linebackers. I don't think they need to fully embrace it. I don't think they will fully embrace it. I think, again, the answer is go back and get players in the secondary who can cover in man so your linebackers can be run players and box players. That's what they want to do. I think that's what they're going right. to do. But there are certain teams where you're, you're going to need that extra athleticism on the field. You're going to need a guy who's athletic, who also has experience stopping the run. And that, like they did, they didn't have that guy on the roster. It's not like there was nobody good enough in that role. They didn't have that player on the roster. Maybe it was Josh Uche, but even he's more of an edge rusher. He's not really a middle linebacker. And, and they're
1: just not going to play guys like that. That's the problem, right? But is, they need I, so that's, that's I don't disagree with you, but the guys like Uche and Winovich, like Winovich, is a healthy scratch. Uche plays six snaps in the game. If you're not right now, if you are not the take on contain linebacker that bill Belichick wants you to be, you're not getting on the field, right? Like that's why, that's why they won't. So that's
0: why, that's why, and this is much easier said than done. They need to find a smaller guy who just, is physical enough that he can factor against the run. That's why.
1: Yeah. Those was guys grow so on trees. They, they need that's, to find Micah Parsons is what is basically what you're well, saying. So that's right? why like, I was
0: so into and And no, I mean, Parsons, it's all, he does everything. I mean, he can also run. Right. The I, mean, all I, I
1: do think that Cam McGrown has a chance to be a right. poor man's Micah Parsons, right? Like he's not Micah Parsons clearly, but I, well, I do for, think that he has a, a chance to be, at least have some of that athleticism and some of that play speed. They just Look, they just need a linebacker who can play sideline to
0: sideline. I I think even a guy – like here's the thing with Uche. He has the speed to move laterally, and you think sideline to sideline, you think of a guy who can play on the edge. I think Uche can play on the edge. I question if he can play between the tackles. They need a guy who can truly – I don't even know how wide a a football field is, but however many yards wide a football field is – they need a guy who can defend that entire width. So that's why I was so into Henry To'o. To'o. who's now going back to college. You look at what he did in that national championship game against Georgia. And whether it's a halfback dive, whether it's a screen, whether it's whatever, he's always around the ball. Donta Hightower was that guy. Now, granted, he's much bigger. And this is why he was such a special player. He was a linebacker. He was a sideline, a sideline player. could rush the passer. He could affect the game at all levels. Right. I. You're not going to find a guy who's that big who can cover all that ground. Those guys, you're know, like as rare it's as so Michael Parsons is in this, this isn't easy, a guy, Jonathan the guy that... is better than Michael Parsons is, but right.
1: It, they it's need kind a of guy like who a can Collins totally cover
0: base like prime Jamie Collins. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's basically the guy they need. That's that's. And again, much easier said than done, you know, like a guy like Fred Werner, for instance,
1: in San Francisco right. is a guy I think. And that's maybe, because oh, I look
0: at, I, I know they're going to,
1: I love Fred Warner. I think he's a hell of a freaking player. Yeah. He, the bill will look at Fred Warner and say too small. I'd which, rather, so here's the thing. I'd rather put here's Kyle the, Duggar in that spot instead. Right. And have which, a guy with a little bit better you, in coverage.
0: Here's where I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too optimistic here, but here's where I hope they marry it. Fred Warner's on the smaller side, but he can defend the run like a guy who's 250. Yeah. And I would just hope they look at it and say, Hey, maybe this guy isn't the size of Donta Hightower, Jawan Bentley, but he's, just as competitive against the run as one of those guys, and he can move a little bit. Like yeah. that's that's. And look, we've seen them make these kind of compromises here the last couple of years. We they have seen Isaiah Win.
1: Isaiah Win is a guy who doesn't they play on right. Maybe at more. different positions, but the problem is, is that the compromise they haven't was, done a linebacker. Was supposed to be Uche. It's supposed to be Winovich. It was supposed to be those guys, and they Man, don't play them.
0: Winovich was always an
1: edge rusher. Winovich was always going to be sure, an edge but, rusher. We at least we Winovich, had the one game against Baltimore, but. At least I, Winovich has speed though, right? Like at least Winovich right. has, he plays the game quickly. And they they don't, they're never going to like, I don't know. I'd, I'll believe it when I see it. And what it comes down to is what I keep coming back to about the two-gapping stuff. If you're not going to have penetrators on the defensive line that are going to make your plays against the run by getting in and in one-gapping and shooting gaps and getting into the backfield, then, it, then you need those guys at the second level to be your run stuffers, right? That The whole Patriot system from a run defense perspective starts at the second level. The two, the guys in the defensive line's job is just to hold and occupy blockers, right? And just eat right. blocks. The second level are the guys that go ahead and make your tackles. But when those second level guys are also in zone coverage, it puts them into conflict where if I don't cheat a little bit to my zone drop, then I'm late. But if I come up too early, then I, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's just a dichotomy there. So that's where I wonder they, but they do now have at least one defensive lineman who can get pressure on his own. If they, if they go out and draft, like this is what I'm saying. I don't think, I think Dante, they should move on from Dante Hightower personally. I know that's going to hurt a lot of Patriots fans feelings. It hurts my feelings to say it quite frankly, right? Like I, I hate going there, but if you talk about some of these linebackers and the other issue that I, I have concerns with is similarly to some of their problems, scouting and drafting wide receivers. Do those 255, 260 pound linebackers even exist anymore in the college game? Right. Cause those yeah. guys, but they're those are far between, but they're there, but there's not a ton of them. Right. And that's the part that I'd be worried about too, is, is the pipeline even there for those types of players? Because, when you look at the rest of the, of college football, they have to go faster. They have to get lighter because all these teams have so much speed and, and have so much spread formations going on that you can't have 255 pound linebackers trying to keep up with, with a wide receiver out of the slot. Right. It just, you'll lose. So these college teams, they're adapting and everything trickles up from the college level, right? That's the pipeline. That's minor leagues for the NFL. So if things are going on at the college level, it's eventually going to impact the NFL game. And right now what we are seeing is that you everybody wants speed. Everybody wants them to be faster. But if you're going to be faster and you're going to have speed, you can't also have Lawrence guys and Devon Godshaws on your defensive line. Because then then you have climbers, you got pullers, you got guys coming up to the second level, uh, these these blockers coming up to the second level on the offensive line, and they're blocking two hundred and twenty-five pound linebackers and they're gonna get killed. So, like, that's the that's the problem with the speed thing is I I actually don't think that they necessarily need to get in there and have a ton more speed at linebacker if they can play man coverage and if they can allow those guys to solely attack the line of scrimmage.
0: So real quick on the linebacker thing, because because you do bring up an interesting point of, you know, are there any of those guys out there? I think what you need to remember is a lot of guys put on 15 to 20 pounds when they get to the NFL.
1: Being yeah, in the NFL fair.
0: weight room makes a difference. So I think, you know, you look at, and again, I'm talking about how does Bill, because I think this is what he tries to do, how does he marry the advancing of the game with his traditional beliefs, right? And so I look at a guy like Christian Harris from Alabama, 6'2", 2'30". Christian Harris is a rangy linebacker. He's definitely a guy we're going to talk about a lot in the coming months. He'll be on at least one mock draft. Yeah. But Christian Harris learned to play the game quickly. And now if you can get Christian Harris in that NFL weight program, and all of a sudden 230 becomes 250 – and he doesn't
1: lose too much speed. Right. Like or I you think take one of these defensive ends or outside linebackers in college that is 260. No, and turn him no. inside. They keep, no, they keep trying to do that. No, get him, yeah.
0: get him. I think it's, it's easier to go the other way. So yeah, you know, another guy like, like, so I think you got to look at these guys. Chad mama is a linebacker from yeah. Wyoming. 204. Have you watched him? You sound like I've heard a lot him. about him. Yeah. So, okay. So he's one of these guys where again, he's not, you know, he's not Kobe Dean. He's not going to come right. out and run like a 4-4, four, four, but he's 240, but he plays pretty quickly. So do they get that guy and try to beef him up? Although just And just just to kind of sum it up here, you talk about do those guys exist anymore? Leo Chenal is the middle linebacker for Wisconsin. 6-2, 261, PFF's, PFF's highest grade, graded run-stopping linebacker. If they do want to just move on from Hightower and move on from Bentley and find the replacement, the option is there. He's probably going to be a third-round pick, a mid-third-round pick. Leo Chennault, he's not going to test great at the combine. But again, 6'2", right. 260, moves downhill. The 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 option, because I think what you were kind of getting at there for a minute is at a certain point, and I've thought about this with the receivers, because we've talked about this with the receivers. It's right? the
1: same thing, just a different, a, same book, but different at, chapter.
0: At a certain point, if it's phased out so much, are the players even there where you can continue to play that way That's what I'm or are saying, you forced right. to adjust by evolution. So what yes. I'm telling, so what I would say is that the linebacker position, at least this year, if they want to keep doing what they've been doing, there is an option on the board, Leo Chanel. And I think I'm pretty C H E N A L. I've actually only seen it written, but I think it's Chanel, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. The guy is there. He is on the board. So, so if people, if yeah. people want those three names again, Christian Harris, Chad Mumma from, uh, Christian Harris from Alabama, Chad Mumma, M-U-M-A from Wyoming, and uh, Leo Chennault from Wisconsin. And there's one other name I'm blanking on. You're going to have plenty
1: of time to to. I know, Colorado's middle linebacker. Colorado's middle linebacker. So to wrap this up. Nate
0: Landman, Nate Landman.
1: There you go. To wrap this up, the reason why the Patriots couldn't stop the run is because their linebackers were too worried about covering people. Right. Those linebackers were being held from going downhill, attacking blocks, pressing blockers, and stopping the run because they're so worried about their zone drop that they're about to take over in the passing game that they're not coming downhill. Similarly, you want a guy like Dante Hightower blitzing, right? You want him rushing the quarterback. You want him blitzing. Instead, he's getting caught in these low zones because they need the numbers in the back end and he's not blitzing. So the best way to keep the stylistic perspective that bill belichick has on defense is to improve that secondary and get back to playing ridiculously good man coverage right yeah. like that's that's yeah. the only way that you can keep doing this or you got to go full buffalo bills and change the whole thing right you're not gonna and do that i it's i don't think i, I think either, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big the only big reason corner year. the only reason why they might do that i don't think they will the only reason why they might do that is because they're going to sit there and they're going to say, we got to deal with Josh Allen for the next decade. Right. And right. if we put out these 260 pound linebackers, what happens when they have to spy or what happens when they have to chase him around or what happens when he gets out and he just scrambles against man coverage. Right. That I, that's the only concern that you have. Well,
0: that, that goes back to what I was saying before. And they, we've seen them do this in the past. They They can do what they want to do, and then just write their game plan. Team have a guy on the roster for that game, and you can keep doing what you're doing the other 15 games or whatever it is. I mean, you can use them against other mobile quarterbacks too, but you can have a different defensive base against mobile quarterbacks and against uh, pocket passers. So I, you know, I think there is. I don't think they have to fully build their defense around defending Josh Allen. I think it's better have a
1: Josh Allen player though. Right, right? have a Josh. Maybe it's Kyle Duggar. Maybe, maybe. Right. We see the basketball all the
0: time. Maybe basketball all the time. Right. Where elite teams are built. The other thing I'd say, by the way, about oh, you know, build your team around defeating the Bills and Josh Allen. This is gonna send the Bills fans into a tizzy, but I'm gonna say it, I don't care. Yeah. Josh Allen is the entire Bills rushing attack right now. And we've seen in the past whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's who I think is by the way a very good comp for Josh Allen right now, like Pete Cam Newton. But whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Andrew Luck. Whether it's Robert Griffin, these quarterbacks who like to run around, they don't necessarily play 10 years, at least not 10 years at a very high level. They get the crap beat out of them and it starts to impact them. So I think Josh Allen does a pretty good job of taking care of himself. He's also just a tank, right? I
1: mean, well, so it was Cam Cam's yeah. a big dude. Yeah, right? but Josh Allen's a much better passer than Cam ever was. But, 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 but here's, here's my point. Josh Allen isn't
0: the kind of quarterback that plays 15 years in the league. Ben Roethlisberger is the anomaly in this where he's a guy who part of his game was absorbing hits and he right. was able to play a decade plus in the league. I think, and I know people are going to say, well, Josh Allen can throw the ball really well, but when, you start, getting, him. But when you start getting rocked, it's fair. But when you start yeah. getting rocked on a regular basis, like you can injure your shoulder, running the ball, that that's like the injuries you sustain running the ball impact your ability to pass sure. the ball. That's what happened to Cam Newton. Uh, somebody, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing it a little bit with Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm not yeah. saying it's definitely going to happen. Okay, I'm Russell saying, Wilson.
1: Like, I think Russell he's Wilson. I, think, Russell.
0: I also well, he's a little say, smaller, but it's another good example. Yeah,
1: I, I, well, they're much smaller, right? Like guys like Russell right. Wilson and Kyler. Like Kyler, when you yeah. watch Kyler in September, the dude's running around all over the place. Then you watch right. Kyler in January, and he's a totally different guy, right? right? Like, so those guys are
0: small, but again, it's the same yeah. idea where. I'm hesitant to say, "Oh, you got a plan for Josh Allen for the next
1: ten years," because Cam Newton looked like he was going to be, you know, Cam okay, Newton's well, 2015 is not going to. Can you at least give Josh Allen the next five years of a potentially? Oh, no, no, he's vision? certainly a player. You, he's certainly a player you need a game plan for. But I'm right. not making. I, 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 I think I, the basketball comparison is so good, right? So, right, like, right. because it's like if you're the Celtics, right? And you know that you're going to have to go through Giannis to get to a championship for the next decade. You got to have somebody on your team that can guard Giannis at least somewhat. the Patriots need to have a package that they could throw out there on the field against Buffalo, where they can, they can hold up against this Buffalo offense. If they get better at man coverage and they certainly could play a lot more man against the bills and try to go that route. But then they also need to have the spy, right? They have to have that spy role as well. All right. I'm, go. I'm not building the whole defense around Josh Allen, but you need a player or two it. that Got can be the best pieces.
0: It. That's yeah. that's more so my point.
1: All right. We have all off season to continue to talk about all these types of things. So we're going to be here on Patriots beat twice a week, just like normal. We're going to talk draft. We're going to talk free agency next week's show or on Thursday. I want to talk about the Patriots own free agents. Cause that's so important when you start to talk yeah. about the bigger picture of how they're going to put this team back together in the off season in terms of how the Patriots are going to pay, who they're going to pay, and who they're going to keep out of their own free agents. So we're going to talk about the Patriots' own free agents on Thursday and break that whole thing down. And then we're going to get into the draft and free agency and where the Patriots go from here. But we want to thank you guys so much for joining us here on Monday night and joining us all season long. It was a fun season. Alex and I wish that it uh, went longer. I wish that we could talk about yeah. games with you guys for longer. But we'll have a lot of fun talking off season as well and that's that's our sweet spot we we are real. this is where we really thrive i feel like alex we get into draft we get into free agency this is this is what we're made for here on patriots oh so. no i i can't i mean we're gonna
0: start when are, we, when are we starting the live mock drafts again if you're new to the show we we pull up yeah. although i gotta say senior bowl so we would we yeah after the super bowl i think is a good point but we would pull up the PFF mock draft simulator. We'd have it up here as a third screen and we'd go through the draft process live. Yeah. I will say, though, and I'm going to call out PFF here.
1: Oh, no.
0: Matt Areza, the punt god. Got to get the punter in, on there. In play for the Patriots this year, there are no specialists in the okay. PFF mock draft I'll simulator. Work on it. So they need to add, you got
1: to work on that so we can use their simulator. We'll work on it. All right, so we'll see you guys Thursday. We'll talk free agency. We'll talk draft. We'll do mock drafts, all that kind of stuff here in the off-season period. We're really looking forward to it. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you Thursday.